You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back in as we dive fin too deep. As always, I'm your host, Reason, joined by my other host, Neil Driscoll. Neil, the Dolphins, if it wasn't official last week, it's official this week. They are streaking four in a row. Um, you know, heading into some a win another, you know, a continued winnable stretch of their um schedule with a bye week mixed in on the horizon. Um, you know, I know we talked about it kind of before we started recording, you know, the sun shines a little bit brighter, the sky's a little bluer, the food tastes a little bit better. Um, when you're winning, life is far more bearable. Um, how you feeling, Neil? I mean, two is, you know, two is growing before our eyes. Jalen Waddles taking off like he's got a rocket strapped to his back. You know, Jalen Phillips, he is evolving and like i told you before we went live he's only a he's only one sack away from tying what chase young put out last year uh, you know javon holland is ascending you know everything seems to be aligning um right now for the dolphins and, and just you know it feels good neil it feels real good it, it really does and and you know i i think for me personally this carolina win was almost equally as impressive as the Baltimore win for the reason that I, I like, you know, I predicted Carolina to win this game because I just thought it was a tough matchup with the top ranked pass defense. I thought Christian McCaffrey was a horrible matchup. And honestly, not only did the Dolphins overcome both of those obstacles, I mean, they really, really handled them. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was a complete non factor. Like, I, I mean, this defense, uh, you know, I don't throw the elite word out there, so I'm not going to say they're elite yet. But they are a top five in the NFL defense. Yep. They have the potential to continue to get even better. The beauty of it is that you can keep the band back together as the season goes on into next year. And what really makes this win stand out for me, and this is going to be bold talk, the Dolphins have three of the top eight rookies in the NFL all on their team right now. So the people outside of the Dolphins, right? Like think about Michael Parsons having a brilliant rookie season, Jamar yeah. Chase, Rashawn Slater. You know, look, i got to throw Mac Jones some love. You know, like he's winning. Creed Humphrey has become one of the best centers in football already. But other than those guys, right? Like Jalen Waddell, Jalen Phillips, and Javon Holland, are just magnificent football players. And I you like, gotta put Oway on that list too, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, and Oway's been really good in Baltimore. But like you think about this game, right? And we know what Waddle did. You know, he had his nine for a buck 37, he had his touchdown, did his little penguin dance. You had Jalen Phillips, three sacks, Holland, 
I mean, the, the not only was Holland's interception just impressive by the way he read, um, you know, he read Cameron, but like we see a trend with this guy being got a nose for the football. Mm -hmm. All three of these guys are the best players on this team outside of someone we're going to talk about a lot during this show and every other show that we do. But like that's what really gets you excited about the Dolphins is that their rookie class, I mean, you know, Chris Greer, right, gets a lot of flack, and I've given it to him, you've given it to him, and look, it's rightfully so. But now that things are starting to settle a little bit, right? Him and Flores have saved their jobs. They've seen I, I really think that I know Flores has, and I and I think Greer is gonna be tight. I mean, but look, in his defense, the first three picks of that 2021 draft. It, it oh, has man. the makings of a special class. And now when you go back to 2022 and you say, you know what? Noe Benogany is a complete bust. Austin Jackson is a – I wouldn't say he's a bust yet because he is – Austin Jackson? Yeah, I, I think he's not He's not a complete – He's a backup. But he might be a backup, but, like, like he's at least starting on the team right now. So, like, I give him – like, even though he's not playing well – like he's a starter, and that's not a good thing, probably for us. But no. he is. I mean, that's not saying much when Jesse Davis is a starter on this right. offensive line. You know, but Brandon Jones was a third round pick, which is seems to be a gem, and I hope he's back yeah. for us this week. And then, like you know, we all know what the great debate is. You know, with, about this quarterback. And, and let's just throw this out there. You know, we all watch a lot of football, and like all of a sudden, all we care about is the deep ball, and we've migrated not from. Me. We, we've migrated from being a fan of what people can do to focusing on what people can't do, right? Like think about like John Stockton for the Utah Jazz, right? Brilliant point guard. Does he have the athleticism that we see in like a Russell Westbrook? No. No, right? But would you still say he's an awesome point guard who was oh, probably one of the best facilitators in NBA history? Oh, of course. The mailman right. made a living off of – Stop yeah, so beating like, him the ball. Why, why do we worry about? Because it, it I, like uh, the 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 notion yeah, that here's my thing too is why is this deep thing becoming a concern? When did anyone actually really watch the Bama tape? Yes, he took deep shots, but they predicated the RPO game made you bite off top. Then they went over top of you, bro. It wasn't they come out and they bomb it and bomb it and bomb it. It was they would set you up with the slants. And pull you up, and then they just kill you over the top, man. Like, right. and if your bar for what you want as an NFL quarterback in terms of arm talent is what you see in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes or Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, I I'll spoil this for you. That's not Tua Tagovailoa. That's not how many guys are that though. Like, well, that it, that's the thing. It, it like we talked about Aaron Rodgers is literally their goal two thousands version of Dan Marino. He's Dan Marino in the era of the two thousands beyond where. The same, you know, the same throwing ability, same off-platform throwing ability, same kind of overall arm. Not as quick of a release, but a damn quick release. But he's the, you had to be athletic in the two thousands, and that's why I say he's the two thousands version. He's the updated, upgraded version of what Marino was would have been if Marino came in this era. Yeah, and, and like, look, I don't care what level of football you play. Twenty-seven to thirty-one. 89% completion percentage. We're not talking about a guy who threw 10 hey, throws. Can I say this? Can I, can I, sorry, I got to add to this because I, I've just heard this. People are trying to rip on the average depth of target. And this is what's really pissing me off because I'm starting, you know, it's like Scooby-Doo, right? 
you know, when, when you finally catch the bad guy at the end and you pull off the mask and it's someone you didn't think, well, I'm pulling We're pulling off masks here and we're seeing casual underneath. Okay. And people are, are trying to try, trying to give crap and nitpick the average depth of target to a hat against Carolina without realizing that's how the Dolphins schemed against this defense. People like for newsflash, for those who are not getting this. All right. This is not rocket science. If you are any sort of football mind or know even some semblance of nuances of the game, you would understand this. Well, they did not trust their offensive line to counteract and hold in the trenches against the pass rush. Their idea of counteracting it that then was having to get the ball out in 2.32 seconds was his average time to throw this week. It was... The line isn't going to hold up. Take away the ability where, sure, you can put someone on their ass, but the ball is out before you penetrate the pocket. And you see the times where, you know, where, you know, it was, it had to go, you know, they had to hold blocks longer than two and a half seconds to ate some sacks. And it wasn't even for holding the ball too long. It was, Leak up the middle. Reader had it. If you watch the all 22, Austin Reader was god awful. Okay, awful. He, we were having Eichenberg and Davis were turnstile, and then Reader would, would get beat up the middle. Hunt, I don't know what PFF's off because they gave Hunt such a great grade. Hunt was getting beat too. Like, that's the thing. I, I talk about this weekly with Richmond Webb. Okay, the best left tackle to ever play for the Miami Dolphins, the man who protected Dan Marino's blind side. It's one thing when you know who the weak link is because you can have that extra set of eyes in the back of your head if you know the left tackle or the right tackle are going to be the weak link of your line. But when you know the center and the guard might be leaky too, that's totally different because now you can't get comfortable because you don't know where it's coming from. You get a little happy foot, a little antsy, and kudos to Tua because he's been playing with it for so long, he's just decided to say, screw it, and he gets firm in the pocket no matter where the leak's coming from, but you still see the moments where he tries to evade the edge rusher, and he tries to step up, but then the middle leaks, and he steps up into pressure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's if you had the center and the two guards on lock, if we had our interior on lockdown naughty and you still had eichenberg and davis at least we know and he would know i can step up because i know i'm going to be secure there because of these three guys but we're not even giving them that it's either you know because let's call a spade a spade and i don't think it's because i still believe robert hunt i've seen the flashes and and i evaluated him and i still think he can be a pro bowl guard he is just a, a result right now of Reader's awful and Davis is awful. Both of the veterans Robert Hunt has to lean on on either side of him are awful. All right? And he's just regressed. It's just, you know, what's the you know, product of your environment, right? And bad coaching as well. And, you know, I wanted to add to this too. You're telling me that okay, that old line only gave up seven pressures on on Sunday, Neil. Their their lowest total of the, but clearly Tua 
Evades either it. evading or gets yeah. the ball out earlier. I mean, if you go back to the Jets game, there was a rep where Quinn and Williams right off the snap put Austin Jackson on his ass, but Tua got the ball out as soon as Austin's ass hit the turf, so it wasn't counted as a pressure. Whereas if that was Jacoby Brissett and you're holding the ball, that's going to be the guy's coming right up in your face, right? If you look at the offensive line and you look at, I don't know, a guy who was the definition of Mr. Irrelevant and couldn't stay healthy, Mac Hollins, to what he is right now, you're telling me, and, and you look at when Brissett was running his team, um, you know, Jalen Waddle was on pace for to to match Keenan Allen and Jarvis Landry to have over 100 receptions, but be under a thousand yards. Now he's on pace for near 1,100 yards since Tua's taken back the reins and taken over. And You're telling me Tua right now as a, as a 16 game starter, the the evidence is staring everyone in their face that he's elevating great players like Waddle. And he's masking and elevating the deficiencies of a terrible O-line. And he's making guys relevant who weren't relevant like Mac Hollins. No one was ever going to talk about Mac Hollins as a great gunner. But why do we always talk about Mac Hollins as a reliable target? And some people have even gone as far, and I know you've seen it on YouTube, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, as saying they would move off of DVP because we have Mac Hollins. Yeah, well, he, he, here's the way how I look at it. I can bring. He's it elevating people, Neil. It's right there. Right. I, I think it's a really simple concept that we can make. You know, we can make it as simple as possible. Right. You can throw one ball, and it's an 80 yard touchdown, and that looks really good on ESPN sure. on the highlights, and sure. you know everyone wants to clap. You can also throw eight 10 yard passes and get to the end zone, and score a touchdown too. And if you ask me, it's harder to throw eight passes than one. Right. So. If you're being that critical, and what is it also, Daniil? When you can't run the football, the short passing game becomes an extension of your running game. Right. That, look at that third. Look at that third. Remember that third quarter drive we had against Carolina? Look at how much time we ate up with the short passing game mixed in with the running game. We ate up most of that quarter on that scoring drive. Well, in the RPO offense, right? That you know, now we're seeing Tua, you know, get criticism because that's his strength. Oh, I don't even want to hear about that. <laughs> No mention in that. I know the article you're talking about. I respect the writer. I think he's great. I've always thought he's great. I think he's a great draft mind. When I see an article about Tua and, and talking about the Dolphins passing game and the offensive line is nowhere in the context of the situation or the injuries to the receivers, that's when or I have the basic an issue. concept, right? Or the basic concept, a run-pass offense, right? The RPO. Where where the hell is this running game that's being referenced? Yeah, like, like, he's being this successful. And the other thing is, the whole reason we're running it is because we can't. We we do not have the protection right now for a fully progression based offense. We don't. Because for a progression-based offense, you need to hold the ball for more than two and a half seconds a lot of the time because you're going to need routes to develop. I don't mean like 70 or 80% of the time, but a good chunk of the time, you're going to need them to hold blocks for longer than two and a half seconds. You know who summed it up the best reason was Dan Orlovsky when he said when he watched that, he thought, what if? Yes. What that's, if that's the problem with this winning streak is we are now what if we didn't lose those four games against the Colts, the Raiders, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Falcons? We're seeing two a groomer now. We're like, what if we didn't have an incompetent 
offensive coaching staff in certain positional areas? What if we didn't have a bad offensive line? What if Parker and Fuller could stay healthy? What if we had a running game and we drafted Najee or Javante Williams or, I don't know, Jonathan Taylor, the guy I was banging the table for, instead of Noeg Monogany? What if Tua had all these things? That's that's where we're at right now in the season. That and I warned people when we started the winning. You're gonna be like, what if we won these games? And you're gonna look at people and you're gonna say, what if Tua had this? And now here we are. And that's a further indictment. As great as Flores and Greer are looking right now, those are the guys you got to turn to for those answers. Well, and, and I agree with everything you just said, except I actually think it's worse. It's not that we have a bad offensive line. It's the worst line in football. Oh, it's, oh, 110%. It, it's not, not that we have a bad running game. We have one of the bottom three rushing attacks in football. Like, yeah. it's not just that these units are bad. Like, you can mask bad things. You know, great players mask bad things, and, and you cover up, and not every team Look can Look at how much we were loving Philip Lindsay as a right. fan base because we're so starved for something in the running back room. Right. And, and he earned it. He played good. Well, if you could have 22 all pros, man, like that's great. But, you know, that's not the reality of football. Nope. So yeah. the re- the reality of it all is to me is that everyone's being so overly critical of people's performance. The guy, Tua, completed 27 or 31 passes. If you do that in practice, that's impressive, yeah. let alone against the number one or two ranked pass defense in the NFL. So, yeah. like, you know, the, the, the thing about it is. Hey, Neil, if, 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 if I'm going to take what you give me. If you're the defense, I'm going to take what you give me and I'm going to beat you. Why am I going to start forcing throws? If I'm beating you with what you're giving me, why am I going to force throws on you? Like, that's what I'm saying. These people want the recipe he's that the offense that the coaches have schemed up that he's executing is working. Why is he going to get off that just because you want to see 60 yard bombs? Yeah, and that's and, and we're not and built for that. Like, what what do these people think we are right now? Like, what what do you guys think this is? An air raid offense that's like got a top fifteen offensive line in the NFL? Like, what what do they, they like? Yeah, it, it's just I, it's I, such I casual brain dead takes that like this is why I've fallen back on Twitter and and, and certain because I just sit back and I'm like. You know, I started my channel. I started becoming a voice in this community. I started doing these podcasts to educate our fan base. And then I watched some of these takes and I'm like, some of these people are so ignorant that they can't be educated because they believe in their ignorance so passionately. Like, kudos for being passionate about something. But when you believe in absolute nonsense and you actually hold that nonsense to a pedestal, you know, it turns me off because I'm like, you know, I, I came here to you know do this podcast with you, do my podcast with Richmond, have my YouTube channel to educate too. Because I had a dream of us having one of the most educated fan bases in the NFL. And I'm coming to realize more and more day by day that with some of these people out here, that dream will never be achieved. Yeah, and, and look, I, I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I'm actually going to give Tua Tungavaloa an A on his performance because 27 for 31 – you know what he did this week that we haven't really talked about enough? He eliminated the dumb turnover. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, well, we, he couldn't eliminate readers' dumb turnovers. Yeah. I mean, like, and we got to remember this too. Like, the one thing that we have to remember is that we like, have. Imagine to- having to overcome bad offensive line play, but then you get in the red zone and Austin Jackson, you know, he's taking a false start or a hold. And lo and behold, this week, what does he do? Like, oh, and then have you ever seen. 
two receivers take false starts in a row in your life? No, I, I have and not. This is what we keep asking our quarterback to overcome. Like, and the thing is, you're you're watching the Trevor Lawrence's, the Zach Wilson's. They can't overcome it. Herbert for a four week stretch there, he couldn't overcome it. Joe Burrow could can't overcome that shit. The only one that can overcome it is Mac Jones. Why? Again, I respect what Mac coaches Mac is doing. You know why he's doing what he's doing? Because he's doing a form of what two is doing. The coaches are scheming him and their offense, and they're asking him to execute now. I think he's being coddled a little bit more than what two is being coddled, but both quarterbacks are being asked to execute certain offensive game plans and they're executing it and look at the results you're getting. Well, and the like Jalen Waddle has been spectacular the last few weeks, but let's be honest. Like, Dude, that Mike, guy's going to be the a top three receiver, arguably the best receiver in football in two years, bro. Mike Gusecki? Has been very ordinary the last few weeks. Yeah, but did you see what they did? I watched the all twenty two. It was yeah, very it, interesting. Like, um, what they were doing was they were what 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 happened is okay. So, um, we would motion right, and let's say we motion to Gisecki, like Gisecki's either the motion guy or we motion to Gisecki's side. I haven't seen a team do this yet this year. And let's say we motion Gisecki or we motion Waddle to Gisecki's guy side, right? So a second defender has to come over if they're in man, right? Whether it's cover one or cover three, whatever they're running or, you know, or cloud, whatever the cover six cloud, whatever they're running. Right. So they would run. They, and what would happen is the defender who motions over with the motion, man. Okay. He would like signal. You would see him wave his hand and give a hand signal to the, the boundary guy or the guy who's got the other receiver, whether it be in the slot or whatever. Because I, I and I'm talking specifically about you saw it a couple times, but on this one play, Gasecki was the motion man. He comes over, okay. The defender comes with them, and he motioned. And what happened was they were in uh, cover one man press. And what he did was he motioned. He he gave a little hand signal to the boundary guy, and the boundary guy backed off Waddle or whoever it was. And all of a sudden, instead of giving him like a two yard, one yard cushion, he gave him like six, seven yards. And what they were doing was, and then the motion man came up on Gasecki, and what they were doing was, he was he was basically creating that gap. So if they, if they were thinking that they'd obviously been watching us that that outside man was going to try and pull coverage and bring Gusecki underneath on a quick out. Cause you know, we love that to Derm Smythe and Gusecki, right? Sure. So what they did was they would let that man go on his route. So there's no conflict or there's no rub between the two defenders. And then they can seamlessly take the deep away and take the flat away on Gusecki. I hadn't seen a team do it yet. And that's why, that's why they were trying to like neutralize Gusecki on that quick game. Yeah, and, and it works. And he's a guy that we've all been saying has been ascending up the tight end ranks. And, you know, he, he's had a good season. But, you know, he, he, he's he been very average the last three, four weeks. Yeah. I'm just, it, that, it is what it is. that Thursday game, bro. He's like, right when he got shut life. out. And, and look, I'm not cra- crapping on Mike Gusecki. He's one of the best offensive players we have. And, and I want him to be a part of this future. But I'm just saying, calling it like I see it. You know, the collection of receivers that we have, like, let's, let's, let's go through the list. Preston Williams won't be back next year. Albert Wilson. Won't be back next year. Matt Collins should get a contract. He will be back because he's a gunner. The special he's a good, good, good special teams player. I mean, Isaiah Ford probably won't be back next year. So, like, you're talking about a bunch of guys that are just there because of injuries and free agent signings that didn't work yeah. out. 
Yeah. So like, two is overcoming more than a bad running game and the worst offensive line in football. He's overcoming not having the receiving core that he spent all that time working with all off season. So there's like just, you know, obstacle after obstacle that he has to overcome. And, you know, Dan Orlowski's point about building the wall in front of him, getting the ball out quick, getting yeah. another player on the perimeter that will allow Waddle to open up. Like, you know, like no one will tell you this, but like for me, like finding a bona fide star receiver to play opposite of Waddle is as important to me as finding a left tackle or a linebacker yeah. because I truly believe that that's the gear that this offense needs. Because Allen Robinson, baby, please. Yeah, Allen Robinson would be a, a, a awesome move. And because because what people got to understand is like Waddle as a rookie is the one that is drawing the attention. He is playing a different role than he's ever played in his career, right? Yeah. At Alabama, the dude was averaging 44 yards on a touchdown, right? Yeah. Like, he's playing more of like a C Cooper Cup intermediate role, a Jarvis Landry intermediate role, but he's thriving. He's catching contested catches. He's making yards after the catch. He's starting to really understand defenses you and need that x you need that like you need that x he can be your z and you need that x opposite of him and then with that y receiver you can fill it in with bowden you can bring wilson back on like a good to see Lynn cheap veteran minimum minimum you can i'd bring wilson back on a cheap veteran minimum contract if he's willing to take that yeah sure but like the one thing that no one's like really talk about and two is included in this and you know, first of all, Waddle played with Jacoby Brissett for four games, so like that's going to hurt your stats. Yeah, yeah. But both Jacoby and Tua have missed Jalen, and that's oh, not, for sure. And like, look, dude, like because the bar, the benchmark, they missed Wilson too. They've been, hey, show love too. They've been, I've counted about four or five touchdowns between um, deep touchdowns between Brissett and Tua that Wilson's been missed on as well. Yeah, well, and, and that's where, like, so, like, the benchmark can't be perfection because then everyone. No, it isn't. Yeah. You're going to miss reads, bro. No right. one's perfect. Right. So, like, overall, like, if you ask me my three game balls, it's Tua, it's Waddle, and then Jalen Phillips. Like, you know, we, like, Jalen Phillips, you get three sacks in a game. That's a lot of game balls, my friend. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, we kicked, the sh we kicked their ass, right? Like, I give you one offensive game ball, and I give you one defensive game ball. Go. Uh, Jalen Phillips and Tua. But by a hair over Waddle, okay. because I, I think I think Tua has to overcome a little bit more than Waddle um, to be successful. So like I like because I like those three guys all get A's for me. And, and you know I, what I like? You know what I like, Neil? Our defense is making pedestrian guys look pedestrian. Cam with his dead arm, right? Pedestrian. Flacco, pedestrian. Like we're like we're and then I I mean hey we made a great player like you know, and I'm a great athlete, like Lamar Jackson look pedestrian, but I'm talking about like our defense is, it, it's not lowering itself to lesser standards that it plays against. It's playing at its high standard right now. Um, and, you know, we mentioned all the things there and I want to ask you this because we talked about this before we went live and, you know, I give you, I, I told you who this person was, I had a, per, a conversation with someone I respected a lot this week and I respect their football opinion a ton. And, you know, we just mentioned all the, you know, to elevating the offensive line, certain players in the receiver room, et cetera, et cetera. And he said to me, and I want to ask you this. You got to think now to is starting to earn the respect and trust of Brian Flores. No. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how he's not 
but I also don't think I can go to any conclusion whether he's safe or not. Like I'm not know. talking about that. That has nothing to do with it. But it's what you gotta fool. as a player, you gotta think he's starting to earn the coach's legit trust here. Well, look, I mean, look, you know, we can't we can't run from it. And then the, the, the media is turning, and now now all of a sudden, Tua is healthy, and he's looking like Alabama Tua, and all the narratives changing because because you know why. Because winning changes everything, man. Yeah. And the team's on a hot streak. They've won four in a row. You know, like and he's was a, arguably one of the he was a top two, top three quarterback in the month of November, statistically. You know what? And he really has a chance to build over. So, like, I I, th- I would say this. Yeah, I, I I don't see how he's not winning him over. I think one thing that's also very evident is that the Miami Dolphin fan base supports Tua a lot. And he's having fun. He's back to that smiley, happy guy, enjoying the pressers. He doesn't have the dark cloud of that quarterback from Houston over his shoulders. And it's it's kind of ironic that everything changed when those rumors went away. And the whole team, not just two of for the whole team. Right. And, and, and I think that so so like I, I the conclusion for me is that it's Tua. It's the offensive line. It's the offense in the offseason. The only thing I would do to the defense is probably uh, and not a probably middle linebacker. Get a middle linebacker and like a guy like Devin Lloyd, maybe in the draft. You know, I, I don't know the linebacker free agents off the top of my head, uh, but you know, go get that's the, honestly, I would keep the defense completely intact. And I, I'll say something also like one of the most underrated units in football right now, overall football, is the defensive line front of the Dolphins with Christian Wilkins. Yep. Zach Siler, Mike Raquan Davis. He was rough for those first couple of games, but he's that that run game since he's come back is been... Adam Butler has been really yep. good now. And the Jenkins Jeff- has been good when he's filled in. Abdul- Remember, you know, I was praising Jenkins early in the season. Like, yeah, uh, Abdul- like, I really think that Van Ginkle started. Van Ginkle went from where did this guy go to now the last three games, four games, he's been fantastic. But, like, there's an energy there. Did you see, like, Zach Seiler and Christian Wilkins on the sideline? how this whole team, I'm going to tell you right now, the turning point for this team was Tua coming in at halftime against the Ravens. Even the defense found a new level in that second half, and no one has taken their foot off the gas since then. Yeah, but you know, you, to, to answer your question, yeah, I, I think he's got a. I think Brian Flores, but I, I also get like, look, dude, I've spent a lot of time ripping him, so I'm going to say that like we've seen glimpses of Stone Cold Brian Flores the last yeah. few weeks, man. And what I like about him when he's when he's in a groove of calling the defense is he's kind of ruthless, right? Like he doesn't give a shit that Cam's completed yeah. two of sixteen passes. I love it, bro. That's right? it. Like, He's like gonna he he wants you out of the game, and I really really like think that that like it, it, the Dolphins are hitting their stride. I hope that what happens playoffs or not or any of that is that this is what they build off of heading into the offseason. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. You figured it out. You're on track. You're heading in the right direction. See, if I was if I was opposing coach, you know what would be worrying me, Neil? It's not to his month in November. You know what would be worrying me. The offense is starting to play complementary football to the defense. That is what would worry me if I was an opposing defensive coordinator. You know what scares me as a Dolphins fan? Do you, you know who could potentially be back this week, right? Malcolm Brown. If they take Philip Lindsay or Miles Gaskin or Miles Gaskins carries and give them to Malcolm Brown, 
Like I'm going to be freaking livid. <laughs> just being honest. Like, yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to. Lindsey was impressive. You know that block. I'm telling you where he won the coaching staff. <laughs> that block on that on that waddle slant that he laid. Oh, that was amazing. That's where he won them A over. Plus. And then every time he got hit, he was falling forward. Oh, dude, that press conference, man. I wanted to fucking headbutt a wall. Like he got me like, it was awesome. I mean, like we don't, we need dogs like that, man. Like, I, and look, you know, I, like he's, he's more of a complimentary back to me, but dude, like miles Gaskin has a good nose for the end zone. Like, yeah. you know, I got to give it to him, man. Like two touchdowns. Like, I, you know, I, I wish he was a little bit better, uh, you know, when he finds the hole or I wish his vision was a little bit better, but like, you know, he does score touchdowns in the red zone. So I got to give him that. So yeah, man, I mean like what a great performance overall. And another thing that, that just sticks out. If I have to put a little negative is Jason Sanders cannot be missing extra points. Nope. We paid, we paid him high. Like we can't play with fire. We need to get Jason Sanders back on track and he kicked a couple field goals and it was nice to see that. But, like, he just needs to get back to form, man. He really does. Because, like, I'm telling you, like, the Dolphins have a very winnable schedule. Mm. But it, it it's not as easy as looking at schedule and picking wins and losses, right? No. There's going to be a time where we need Jason Sanders to deliver in the next five games. And we got to be able to count on that. You know, we can't have him being a all-pro ki- kicker that we get all pro kicker, we get paid, and then he regresses. We can't have that. He's been very bad this yeah. season. And yeah, I, I'm yeah, not yeah. closing the chapter on him. I just want to bring that to everyone's attention because I think it's going to be very important down the stretch here because we have a game coming Especially up. Especially in that New England game. Right. Like that, that's and where Tennessee. I'm, right. And 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 the beauty is at least that New England game won't be in the swirling winds of, of Foxborough. It will be in Miami. But I mean, overall, I don't know how I'm is really it worried about that game, eh? Like, I got a feeling Patriots? that 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 game's gonna matter. And I got a feeling that I don't know how we're gonna attack them because you look at what they did in week one with giving you know Mac Jones two or three outlets underneath. That showed me right there. They they were prepared and they know how to attack our cover zero looks. Uh, like I am, I, I am very interested to see how they are, what they are going to do that game. Like I I am, but anyways, that's like down the line. We got yeah. the uh, we got the Giants coming up this week. And before we do get to the Giants, one thing I wanted to ask you, Neil, what were your thoughts on like? Because here's the thing. You know, we know the eye test was starting to back up our evaluation and our Tua takes. But now the analytics and the stats are starting to back up. You know, after his first 16 starts, uh, 67% completion, 3,515 yards, 21 passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, um, a 90.5 passer rating, six touchdowns. He's ranked eighth in QBR while the Miami Dolphins' pass block win rate is 45th, which is 32nd in the NFL. We also have the most pressures allowed, obviously. Um, you know, he is, you know, he is one of only, what, I believe four quarterbacks to have, um, you know, 80, 80% back, you know, two eighty percent completion games this year. Um, I believe it's him, Mac Jones, Dak, and Kyler. Um, Mac Jones has thrown four four touchdowns in, in that span, you know, in those two eighty percent games. Um, Dak and Kyler threw three, but two has thrown six. Um, you know, 
you look, he is, he has five games to make history. Um, you know, he has three games over 80% in the last six game. He needs one more game to tie the record Two to obviously break it. Um, you know, you look at how great he's been in the fourth quarter this year. It's absolutely fantastic. He has the highest fourth quarter completion percentage of any qualifying quarterback, you know, going all the way back to 1994 and that's 76% completion percentage in the fourth quarter. That's better you know by almost eight percentage points than all the guys behind him which are names like steve young brady mahomes watson jackson garoppolo allen etc um you know and he ranks third and fourth quarter passer rating over since 1994 as well like the guy is you know he's taking his game to the next level i know you saw the picks comparing him his first 16 games up to Kyler Murray's first 16 games. And, you know, what's crazy is people obviously said, well, you know, you know, it was purely passing stats. Right. And, you know, because, um, you know, Tua had a better touchdown interception ratio, better completion percentage, better passing rate or betting record. Um, you know, Kyler had just thrown for like 200 more yards than him. And people were like, well, do rushing stats. Right. And obviously, you know, I think he had like um, two or three hundred more rushing yards, but Tua actually had more rushing touchdowns. Rushing touchdowns in that time. So, um, you know, you know, I I keep looking at this, and and you talked about it earlier about how the fans are starting to back up Tua, bro. It's gonna be a fu- It's gonna, and I, I, I'm gonna say it's gonna be an F U C K I N G hard sell to the fan base of moving off a kid showing this much promise because we haven't had any quarterback come through here since Marino show any semblance of this kind of promise uh, promise as a, as a kid through their first 16 games. Like, good luck selling that, dude. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm a fan of the NFL, um, and I watch the NFL because, you know, I do the fantasy football, and it's mm-hmm. fun and all that, right? I, I, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Fan. Herbert's been killing me lately when I do that, bro. Oh. <laughs> I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Nothing to do with fantasy football, right? Yep, yep. I, I, I The Same. thing I care about most, and it's not about QB wins being a stat, but I want my quarterback, when I look at him at the end of the day, yeah. to say that if, can this guy win me a Super Bowl? That That's, that's my measuring stick, and that's a tough one. And I had... A out, uh, um, I'm, I was known as a to a homer for my review of him coming out. Um, I think yeah, I said that I had the highest quarterback ever since Peyton Manning, and that was documented well before yeah. the Dolphins draft. He was my highest since Andrew Luck. So you know, like I liked, I love Tua. I think he's yeah. a great football player. I I think he's going to win a Super Bowl. I think he's. Fantastic. I got concerned with the injury history. I got concerned with some of the things that I saw. Oh yeah. But I, I'm starting to see a confident Tua. And, and I ask myself the question, if Miami allocates the resources they have from a draft and cap space perspective to support Tua, keeps this defense intact, can the Dolphins win a Super Bowl? I believe they can. And I would say that if this team gets into the playoffs this year, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. We're winning a game. But they're a dangerous team that you do yep. not want to see because that defense can win. 
And if yep. he's building off of his confidence and keeps getting better and somehow Will Fuller and Devontae Parker get healthy, and then you have Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki, Parker, and Fuller, the offensive line is going to ultimately hurt this team, and that's probably why if they did win a playoff game, they'd lose the next. Like, I agree. If, you know, they have an Achilles heel that's apparent here. But you know what the thing is? I got to say is if the, we got into the playoffs – um, the Ravens would be the number one seed, right? Yeah, I don't think that's going to last too long. <laughs> I, but I'm just saying, if they happen to be, that would mean we would get them in the second round because we would sneak in as a seventh seed, right? And if that were to happen, I'm just saying this. What people don't realize is the way he's Flores has built his defense, he built it to match up with Lamar Jackson and Mahomes in the playoffs because – that's who he knew. Who he knew he the road would be through in this new AFC. Well, if I'm cheering for any other team the next couple of weeks, that is not the Miami Dolphins. It's the Ravens because they play the Steelers and the Browns, and they can do us a lot of help by winning the next two games. So I want the Ravens to win and keep that number one seed um, because that helps the Dolphins. Because I I do think the Steelers are on the verge of being a train wreck. Yeah. I think the Dolphins. I, we'll we'll get into our predictions in this week's game. I, I think the Browns. Are, are, are just a team in the wrong direction. The Conklin injury is going to hurt them. Baker's not healthy. Can uh, you believe if we would have won two of those four between the Colts, the Raiders, well, we knew the it was going to happen. Yeah, and the Falcons, though, we would be seven and five, Neil, heading into this Giants game. Yeah, that's why you don't lose. Honestly, the only game that bothers me out of that list is Jacksonville the most because that's a game you should never lose. We had it won. Well, I was going to say what you were saying about Tua. This is what I okay. So right now I think the two the two questions shouldn't be because you're looking at what's around him. It shouldn't be is he a franchise quarterback right now? It should be has he shown me enough worth investing in that he can become a franchise quarterback if I properly invest in him, i.e. build an offensive line. And it's like this is how I look at two his performances at the end of the game. Did he leave the field and give put us in a position to win the football game? If he did, why? How? If he didn't, why? How? Context matters, okay? Like the Atlanta game. I've heard, well, he couldn't beat Atlanta. Well, he left the field with a lead, okay? You talk about the Jags game. He gave us the lead in the Jags game. We couldn't hold it. Okay, whether you want to say 20 points is good enough or whatever the case may be, I don't know. But this defense is different now. You no, know, he threw I, I agree. If we would have ran this defense in those two games, that Atlanta game, if he would have thrown for 300, four touchdowns and two interceptions with this defense, we would have blown them out, bro. And look, you know what though? It that honestly we would have scored 45 points that game. Dude. Those losses hurt, but like seriously, the perspective that I have is that's the growing team, the growing pains of being a young team with not a lot of veteran leadership. Yeah, but here's the thing, my friend. I get we all didn't see the zone coverage and some of the defensive coaching happen, which I still do this day. I don't care what Flores tells me. I've learned to kind of dodge weave and siphon through the bs i believe he's back to calling the plays he took it away from boyer i just don't believe otherwise no, i think that but too. anyways other than that all the holes that have cost us at this point i.e the offensive line which ended up getting to a hurt and the fred you know how fragile the off the uh wide receiving core was and then our our well, you know, worry of not having a alpha running back all that stuff 
has stunted this offense and also cost us games in the long run. And, and because it costs us games with Tua, right? Right. And, and, you know, it costs us, you know, but that was all we all, you didn't need a crystal ball. We all saw that and that was all fixable. Now we didn't know the, like I said, we didn't know the play calling. No one of us first saw the play calling, but all these other flaws and everything that's held us back. The issue I have is we all foresaw it. They neglected it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, there's and it's lot- contributed to our current record right I, now. I ultimately think that Jacksonville loss is going to be what keeps the Dolphins out of the playoffs. I do, and you know, you I don't think I, they're going to win out. I know it's a. You got to think about it. if we win out, we finish this season on a nine-game winning streak. Like, yeah, I, just, I don't think the Dolphins. We've are- never won more than six games in a yeah, row. So the answer is, in, I don't, I don't yeah. think they're going to win out. It's hard for me to where the, the wheels fall off. But I, I just look if they if they win out, they're 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 it's not even a question. Chris Greer, Brian Flores, not only will keep their jobs, like then you're talking about literally two of the best at what they've done this year. As crazy as that sounds, because if Brian Flores takes this team to nine wins, yeah, but the Watson word will be done too. The Watson talk will be it, over. It, well, it, it just depends. Is that a Stephen Ross thing? Stephen Ross, man, he's getting divorced. He's going to be cranky. Who knows? But <laughs> if Brian Flores wins nine games in a row with this Dolphins team yeah. and makes the playoffs after what they went through, I mean, who gives a shit about the superlative, but he should be the coach of the year. Yeah. And if it's because of the three guys in this draft class that have really reignited this team, Chris Greer could be freaking GM of the year. And I know that sounds absolutely insane, but like, we'll get to the giants in a second, but like they're not losing to the jets. I will bet anything I have that they're going to go there. They're going to kick the jets ass, man. Zach Wilson doesn't want none. I, I he just, he does. Oh, not. They're going to light them up. They're going to light them yeah, up. He does not. It's they, only tennis, Tennessee, and New England are what worries me. I, I, so well, New England worries me. I think we're going to kick Tennessee's ass, man. I, I know their defense has been a little bit better. Jeffrey Simmons is a horrible matchup for anyone in the league, but like no Derrick Henry. Who knows what A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are going to be there. Ryan Tannehill looks like crap without Derrick Henry, right? So, I, like, the, I mean, look, the Saints on Monday Night Football, a home game for the Saints, like, that's a that's a tougher matchup just because of Jason Hill or something. Yeah, me either. And honestly, like I I think that that's going to be the Tuatunga Valoa coming out party. I think that's when this national. Remember, I asked you a couple weeks ago. Was that the moment? Yeah, I think this is going to be the national the narrative that the national media takes if they're heading into that week seven and seven. Yeah, and Tua plays well on Monday Night Football. I promise you, every show and that we does, win and go above five hundred. Every show that does football on Tuesday mornings, man, it's going to be like Christmas morning for us Dolphin fans because they're going to be gushing, and we all love that, right? But like, like let's talk about the Giants, like right? We're we're playing the Giants. I was didn't care if Daniel Jones was starting. Daniel Jones doesn't scare me a bit. No, Mike the Glenn. fact that Mike Lenning's starting, and I know that you always worry what's going to happen with this backup. If there is 32 starting quarterbacks on Sunday, between Thursday, Sunday, and Monday this week, the one quarterback I don't want to be is Mike Lenning. I he he is in for a long day. The the Giants all of its lion is la Saquon's the, not what he was. He he looks a, a gear slower. I, I don't think Kadarius Tony's going to be even playing for them. 
Kenny Galladay was one of the worst acquisitions. In yeah, thank God we didn't pay him $20 million. I mean, you know, you look on them on the defensive side of the ball, sure, James Bradbury's an okay corner. David uh, Kenny's had a good season. Aziz Ojolari's been pretty strong as a rookie yeah. pass rusher. Leonard Williams is all right. Yeah. I, I just don't see I, – I honestly don't even see how this game is really that close. I, I You know, my, my score is 34 to 13 Dolphins. Um, I, I just think that we continue to build off of it. Um, if you're um, a daily fantasy sports guy, or if you you know you're contemplating who to play, Jalen Waddle is just going to freaking eat. Um, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't think there's anyone there who's going to stop the momentum he has. I think Gasecki's going to get back on track. I, I, I don't know if Tua is going to complete ninety percent of his passes again, uh, but I think he'll have an efficient game. Uh, I hope he plays and builds that turnover-free game. I, I just think the Dolphins are in the right spot. It's home. They haven't had to leave. They're not leaving for any time soon. The Giants are a bad football team. I, I mean, I just we got to say that what we see, and Gettleman already knows he's getting fired. You know, I, I think one thing that's interesting is the familiarity between Joe Judge and Brian Flores, but that works both ways. Yeah. And yeah. talent wins football games. And the problem is they can know what we want to run and what we like to do, but I don't think they have the talent to counter what we want to do anyways. Right. And, and I actually think the strength of Tua with the ball out quick and like people like Waddle being able to create, and even Albert Wilson after the catch, like I, I think this is a game Albert where – Albert Wilson got to stop trying so hard and just go for the sticks. Right. Oh, God, I hate that. Um you know that catch that what that we all know the big catch that Waddle that's everyone's ta- you know showing and you know like that was what I saw from Tua and Waddle at Alabama. That's what gets me really excited. The chemistry between Waddle and Tua is really surfacing and it, it's really coming out. And I mean, man, I mean, if we win this game, that's five in a row, man. Like I like. Kudos to this team for not quitting when they were one in seven. Uh, you know, I, I they've reignited my energy into the football season. Like I'd love to make the playoffs, but I, I I honestly have so much pride in what they've done that I went from that thinking they were the most lost franchise in football to thinking that the season just didn't start the way they wanted to to uh, face some injuries. They misplayed the offensive line, and I got to give kudos to, to to Greer again because despite completely missing on the offensive line, he structured contracts, made moves to acquire draft picks that have them with the most cap space, and honestly, probably outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, I think the third best most, draft, third most, yeah. the best draft capital in the league over the next two years. I mean, like, they are in a prime position. They have, like, some capital, too, I think. They got two picks this Dolphins are, Dolphins are number one with $80 million, I believe. I'm talking about draft capital. I think the oh, Jets yeah. have two again this yeah, year. Yeah, and the Jets have two, and that's so weird to see. I think it's the Jets have two in a row, the Giants have two in a row, and the Eagles all have two in a row, all in the yeah, top yeah. ten right now, which is nuts. But, yeah, I mean, like, this team, like... I have a weird score for my prediction. I'm going 26-12. Okay. I think uh, Sanders is going to miss an extra point. Good Lord. That's why I have tw- – it would be 27-12, and 12, but I think he's going to miss. So I'll go 26-12. to 12. I just – I'm taking it one game at a time. Right. Because I fully expect a trap game because I do not expect us to win out. 
I don't know where the loss is going to come from, and I'm hoping it's not a blindsided loss against a team like the Giants or the Saints because I expect us to win that. The Saints have a good defense. Like, yeah, I, but, they're, but their offense, we should just destroy them. Yeah. Like, Taysom Hill again, I, I, or Trevor Simeon against us? Are you kidding me? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree, but, like, you know, you're right. The football's freaking – it makes no sense. Any like, given Sunday, bro, and I know I – until we are nine and seven heading into week 18 at hard rock against new England. I, I I'm on my tippy toes with this team because of the seven game losing streak. Right. Well, they, they've already, we are literally in the territory of you can't lose a single game now. Yeah. And, and they proved that they can lose to teams. They have no business losing, losing to. Right. So like, you can't like, I, I'm with you, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to pick which like, one. I know we should run it to nine and seven. I just don't trust them to run into nine and seven heading into that that week. Because I'll tell you this one thing: if we run into nine and seven and we go into Hard Rock and that game matters and that game's for a playoff spot, we're going, bro. Hold on, hold on a sec. And Tua beats Belichick for a third time. Oh, it. Oh, it, Watson talk is over, bud. It, it Ross is gonna. It, Ross is gonna just say. Roll with it, like, and they're gonna get him to open his. They're gonna want him to open his checkbook for the offensive line and other. Because this is what I told people, my viewers on inside the NFL and such. The thing I love about how this is working out is they don't need to spend money or any high draft capital on defense other than a middle linebacker. So they're really gonna be forced to either spend money on proven commodities or draft blue chip prospect guy high. Well, speaking about opening up your checkbook, I'll say this live so everyone can hear. If that scenario walks up, happens, what you just painted, and it's nine and seven, and we're heading to New England, the Fintuk Deep Crew will be in Miami on me. We'll be there for that game. I got, I have freaking fire miles. I got Hilton Otters points, baby. We'll be at that game because they've earned me to break my wallet open if they get to that point. I, like I, I like I won't miss that damn game because I, I I I'll say this: it, you don't get Bill Belichick's uh, number. He, he's the greatest coach to probably ever do it, and I'm partial, so I'll say Don Shula. But like you know, it is what it is. If Tua goes in there and <laughs> leads the Dolphins to nine straight wins, a playoff berth, and beats the division rival, like I mean, you're talking probably about the single greatest Dolphins moment since Marino. But do, ah, you know what? Probably yeah, since Marino. Isn't it, isn't it kind of eerily similar, though? Obviously, it's more games, but isn't it eerily similar to how Fitzpatrick won over this fan base in the in the – and the locker room, he won five in a four, What did he win? Five out of six. And then he went and beat Tom Brady, led New England, and basically put them in the coffin and then in week and took home field advantage away. And then Tannehill put the nail in the coffin in week one. Yeah. And look, man, it's hard not to get excited. We're all getting way ahead of ourselves, to be honest. There's a lot of wood to chop. But like, yeah. I do think that what, what this shows is that this team's got us excited again. And that's really important. Like, yeah. cause you know, like Sundays are enjoyable again, bro. It was right. when you were losing and Jacoby Brissett was your starter. It was rough, bud. 
Yeah, like, well, it was rougher than Jay Cutler, dude. Well, like, it's even fun to watch. Like, that's uh, like your team's not fun to watch. It's awful. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. was our quarterback. I never once woke up and was like, oh my God, nice. Yeah, I can't wait. Gear on. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, on Saturday nights, man, I'm out there and I'm getting my Dolphins, like my pants, my Waddle jersey all out. I got my socks all lined up. Like, I, oh, I'm yeah. living, man. I'm, I'm loving it. It's fun to, you know, go into work, you know. First thing on my first call of the day, me and my boss were chopping it up like, oh, man, you're on a winning streak. You know, my boss is uh, – one of them's a Giants fan. One of them's a Washington fan, right? So the, the Washington fan, he's on a win streak. We're happy. You know, like we're, we're enjoying life. It's like a good conversation. You know, it's like, man, do you see this? you see that? Like it's fun, man. Like that's what – I love football because of the conversation. And you don't have to agree on everything. But like the one thing we can all universally agree is – when the Dolphins win, life is better. And, man, four in a row. And as we just five. told you, we're going to be at five in a row. We're going to be back here on Wednesday. I mean, you know, man, we might have to start taking celebratory drinks or something on the air here. Like, I mean, it's a lot of fun again. And it's cool to see, you know, the fan base, you know, even though some are still divided. But, like, you know, I, I really enjoy it. I, I appreciate everyone who's out there listening. Love jumping into some of those Twitter spaces that, you know, the group's opening up. Uh, like my boy Showtime out there. Love that dude. Like, you know, it, it's a good time, man. Like when you get off of a win, you know, you beat Carolina 33 to 10, you jump in a room with a hundred dolphin fans that, you know, are excited, man. It's kind of like, you know, this virtual party we have. So I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, definitely rejuvenated ever since that Ravens game. And, uh, you know, let's keep it going in the right direction here. Yeah, man, you should hop in, uh, post game to one of my shows we got five or six hundred people usually when we're live um after the game yeah i, I don't um, know if i'm going to get you kicked off sometimes i come a little too sauced up afterwards man. I, <laughs> i'll tell you like it, it's, i do this thing and i've been doing it um ever since we drafted them um i i take a shot of whiskey every time to a runs or throws a touchdown so um, you know, sometimes, you know, hopefully I like, I hope that he gets me buzz a little bit more, uh, you know, that, that Atlanta game, uh, he, he had me feeling pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, man. It's always a pleasure guys. We'll be back next week where we dive back in fin too deep. Hopefully we are feeling alive because we're coming off winning number five. So we'll see you guys next week. Everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed as usual. Fins up all day, every day. <laughs>